not about reducing the stress as much as it is just making sure that we have some space to handle all the stress and some tools to navigate the stress because even when one stress is gone there's going to be new ones down the road i mean it's just life and so i love the word overwhelm and just kind of figuring out how we can navigate this overwhelm versus stress Welcome back to Whole Mama's Podcast. We're here to give you tools, resources, and evidence-based information so you can make the best decisions for yourself and your family. Whether you're trying to conceive or navigating life with a toddler or a teenager, we've got you covered. I'm Stephanie Gorinke, registered dietitian and program director for Whole30's Whole Mama's Club and the co-creator of Whole30's Pregnancy Program. And I'm Dr. Ilana Romel, pediatric naturopathic doctor and founder of Nourish Medical Center. Today, we're going to recap the episode we did with Dr. Samantha Brody about overcoming overwhelm. We want to call out some important points from the episode and share our take on handling the stresses of everyday life. But before we begin, we want to thank this week's podcast partner, Rethink Water. You can think of Rethink Water as a healthier alternative to the traditional juice box. Rethink Water saw a need to offer naturally flavored water in cute 100% recyclable juice boxes, so kids have a fun drink option without tons of added sugar. The original Rethink Waters have zero sugar and are flavored with USDA certified organic fruit essence. What this means is their natural flavors are actually pulled from the fruit. What Rethink found is that younger kids that hadn't been exposed to sweetened beverages at school or at birthday parties seem to enjoy the flavored water, but kids who had been exposed to sugar or have a different palate may be a little bit more picky when it comes to juice boxes. They expect a level of sweetness and they're their solution to this without compromising their mission of offering kids lower sugar options was to add a touch of fruit juice and monk fruit to make their juice boxes resemble a traditional juice box. So their new Splash juice box has one gram of sugar compared to some of the other juice boxes that contain 10 or more grams of sugar. Now, please understand that this isn't about shaming juice boxes. We know how hard it is to change habits, especially if your little ones have been drinking juice boxes for a while. But we are simply letting you know that this is an option that's out there. If you've been looking for something with lower amounts of sugar, or you want to have a fun option for your kids' lunchbox, birthday party, or summer event. You can find Rethink Water at Target, Kroger, Fresh Time, Gelson's, Walmart, and now even on Amazon. They're worth trying out with your little ones. Now, if you haven't seen them in your local grocery store, just head over to their website, drinkrethinkwater.com forward slash find us to find a location that sells them near you. Or you can even use our, a coupon from us, Whole Mamas 2020, to purchase Rethink Water directly from their website and you get 20% off your order. And just so you're aware, the new Splash Juice Boxes, which is the one that contains the fruit juice and that monk fruit that resembles a little bit more of the traditional juice boxes, will be available at Kroger and Walmart first. And then it'll launch in Target later this year. So check them out. I think it'll be nice to give your child a variety of flavors. You can start with their originals first and then see if if they're just not a huge fan of that, you may want to move on to the Splash Juice. So really give them a try. They have so many flavors and surely one of the flavors your little one would like. All right, now let's go ahead into our Nourish Yourself segment. Steph, what did you do today or this week to nourish yourself? So we are recording this on a Monday. And so this weekend, we actually did something. And I wanted to bring this up because 
It may seem, it seems really obvious to me now, but I know as a new mom and even just with the different changes that happens with kids, it may not occur to you. Um, so I wanted to kind of talk about what I've been doing to reduce some of the overwhelm as a mom of two really active boys. So I love the idea of taking them to places like the farmer's market or to museums or to places where they, they kind of have to act like little adults. You know, they have to be on their manners. I love that idea. I mean, I I see myself taking my kids to the farmer's market, but what tends to happen with a two and a half and a four and a half year old boy that are really active is that they want to run around and do their own thing and, and they don't really understand social conventions, rightly so. They're little kids. So it adds a lot of stress to the event. I, you know, some people may be fine with it, but for me, it just causes additional stress that is unnecessary. And for them, it's not fun because they want to be kids and they have to kind of act a different way in in those environments. They can't just go over and randomly pick a strawberry from a vendor and run away. Like, you know, it's, it is like a little bit more organized. So what I've been doing with them is taking them to places where they they can be kids. They can run around. They can get their energy out. I don't have to worry about them behaving in a certain way. They have a lot more fun. I have a lot more fun. And so what that looks like for us is taking them to parks or taking them on hikes or taking them to the beach where they can roam around freely in a safe, contained or somewhat contained environment. And you know, interact with other kids at the beach and just get their energy out. So the rest of the day is easier. The rest of the weekend is easier. And I know that sounds so obvious, you know, but I think we can just add extra stresses on our, ourselves and our kids if we try to take them to too many places or like, you know, beat ourselves up if they're not acting a certain way. I know I, I beat myself up for them not acting like perfect little angels at the farmer's market. And there's no need for that. They, they can do their own thing and be kids. And that is what we've done. That's what I've done to nurture myself. I think that's wonderful. And I love that because inevitably you want to get out and you want to take them around. This is just making me think of this funny thing that I bought this uh, like last week. I haven't even used it yet, but I think it could be funny with Leonardo. I found a backpack that has a leash and I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> Ilana, that's what I use at the oh, airport. You, no kidding. At the airport. It the was monkey brilliant. one? Yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> oh my gosh, it works amazingly well. Right? Um, I yeah, <laughs> I actually no. I am so. I'm. That's so funny that you mentioned that. That's what we use when we went to Wisconsin, and I posted about it on my Instagram stories that I oh, bought it. Oh, I didn't it. see that. Yeah, and that I was gonna buy it, and I was like, all right, let the judgment begin, because I thought for sure I would have people at the airport like rolling their eyes or like you know like oh look at her, she's got a leash on her kid, and I had a couple of moms on, that follow me on Instagram. Instagram that like sent me a message saying, Hey, um, I use this with my kids and it worked really well and people didn't really judge me. And, and that so I felt really good. I, you know, being a second time mom, I don't really care what people think. I think I would have been a little bit more vulnerable to that with my first kid, but, um, they gave me this advice and I thought this was really smart is have them put it on before you are going to take them to somewhere like an airport or take them to, a museum or wherever you're going to go where they need to be close to you because what can happen is if they don't realize that they are attached to you, they can go for it and fall flat on their face, right? (laughs) Or they might hate it. And so kind of have them walk around with it when you're at home and make it fun by putting like snacks in there and have them associate it with like a fun thing. 
and understand that they're going to get pulled. Um, and yeah, so it worked really well for us. So I highly recommend that product, oh, especially if you're great. traveling. Yeah. So I think it's wonderful. In fact, I think we, we did that at home just for fun. And I think as Aviva's in this stage where she likes to walk Murray. And so she sees that oh, we're walking the dog yeah. with a leash. She thinks it's like the coolest thing ever oh, because yeah. we're like walking her or she just walks in front of us. We actually haven't like taken it out in public, but the reason why I bought it is because I have memories of my own childhood at Disneyland. I had, um, there was four of us siblings and my mom put us all on a leash and it wasn't like a backpack. It was, I don't know, back in the day, it was just yeah. this long, they weren't yeah, as cute. it was a long just leash and we all just had our wrist on it. And I thought it was awesome. Like I never made, I didn't, I don't know. I didn't have any judgment around it. It just, it was such a crowded place. It was so easy for us to all get lost. So I just think they're great ideas and especially somewhere like an airport or a farmer's market or a museum, you know, all of these are, are good potential ideas if you just want to keep them close. And I think that there's nothing wrong with it. And, you know, actually what I wanted to share for my Nourish Yourself segment has a lot to also do with kind of judgments and feeling like I should do something. And I think that as moms, we're oftentimes feeling that state. And I just want to really help empower moms to just get rid of that. I mean, who cares if someone is thinking that the leash or whatever is is ridiculous. So that's on them, you know? Um, I I don't know. I'm so, I think it's such a wasted bit of energy that we all do so often. It's a very natural thing because we want people to like us. And so it's a natural thing that happens. And I think it's a very inefficient way of, of utilizing our time and thoughts. So what I did, actually, I wanted to share to nourish myself is I did something that I didn't think I would do because I think I should have done this. And so when I was coming up with my birth team for this second pregnancy, I did realize I wanted to do another home birth. That was very clear to Anthony and I. And so as I was like exploring, you know, my birth team, I was like, do I want the exact same birth team? Do I want a different birth team? And I just kept on having this like gut feel that I wanted to have a different midwife team. And it was actually making me sad because I loved my first midwife team. There was nothing wrong with them. I had zero complaints. I had a great experience with them. And I still wanted a new midwife team. And I just kept on thinking to myself, like, Ilana, this is going to hurt their feelings. Why would you do this if you already knew it was a good experience? And what kept on coming up for me were three things. The first one was that I just wanted a new experience. I don't know. I couldn't explain it anymore. This is a, a new pregnancy. You know, I'm already feeling like this is a different pregnancy. I I swear, like, it feels just so different to me. And I, I just... I'm, I'm interested in a new experience and I can't control that, but that's how I feel. The second thing is, is that I just find midwives to be exceptional human beings. I, mm-hmm. I've never met a midwife that I just didn't resonate with. And I love relationships. You know, I love forming new connections. And I just thought that having an opportunity to have a different midwife team, to go through my whole prenatal experience, to share my birth with and my postpartum time is an opportunity to just bond with new human beings. And I was very attracted to that idea. I've already had amazing bonds with these other midwife team, and why not expand to some new women in my life? And then the third part of it was that I'm all about resources and I love connecting my patients here in San Diego with 
other midwives in the area so that they can interview to choose a birth team for themselves. Because we all resonate differently with different people. And I felt like if I had experiences with various midwife teams, then I could just expand my resources to then also help my patients. And so after really getting clear with those three goals of mine, I just knew like, Ilana, just do it, you know? And so I did. I decided to interview some other midwives. I've chosen now the team that really I'm so excited to work with. And I just emailed my original birth team or my my midwife team, just letting them know, hey, you know, we're so excited. We have a baby. And I wanted to let you know this was a really difficult choice for me. I was so surprised that I wanted to work with a new midwife team, but I want to let you know there was nothing wrong with you guys. I had a great experience with you guys. I have zero complaints and I continually refer people to your practice and I will continue to do that. And I wanted to share with you that we've decided to use another midwife team for the reasons that I explained. And their response was so beautiful and touching. I mean, they were so excited for us for bringing another soul into the world. They were so encouraging of whatever works for us is, you know, they support. They asked us to just keep in touch with them after the baby's born, just so we can share this, the excitement. And it was just such a heartwarming email from them. And so I just wanted to share that with the listeners because it was really nourishing to me to go with my gut. I feel like if I were just to say, well, I should just go with the original birth team. I'm going to hurt their feelings. I think in the back of my mind, I'll always kind of have these feelings of, gosh, I wish I had this other experience. I wish I, and there should be none of that in the space of your of your pregnancy and that journey and something so sacred as your labor and delivery. And so I'm so glad I did that. I loved their reply. And now I'm so excited just to build my network and to continue to bond with some new, really powerful midwives and ladies in my community. And so, so that's where I'm at. And that was really nourishing to me in in all aspects. Oh, I'm so proud of you for doing that. That's great. I love that they were accepting of the change and really encouraging you and they still wanted to be connected. I mean, you're so right. Midwives and I feel like naturopathic doctors too are just, they, they're they in a job where they want to be of service and they want to support people's decisions. And so there's there was no doubt in my mind that they wouldn't be willing for you to change your mind and not take offense to it at all. And you just have a great way of explaining, you know, it's not you. It's just something that I want to do personally. So I love that. And, you know, I actually had two different midwife teams too. I probably would have gone with the same midwife team for my second because I really liked them, but we moved. So I, I kind of had to do a different midwife team. And yeah, it's, it is a totally different experience because you have different personalities and they have different ways of going about assisting with birth. You know, maybe some use more alternative or natural remedies than others. You know, maybe their experience with homeopathy or maybe their experience with different natural pain remedies than others. And so you're going to get a different experience even outside of the personalities. Uh, One thing that we did, uh, I don't know if this was something that was talked about, but when you give birth, there is paperwork that goes along with it. And in the case of my first birth, that there was pretty much like by the minute what was going on, like, you know, the level of intensity of the contractions and what I was saying and the things that I was doing and what happened when the baby came out, what position the baby came out. I mean, it was elaborate, the notes that the midwives were taking during the birth. And that may not be, I mean, that is going to be close. It's going to be different in the hospital, right? They're going to be tracking different things. Whereas I didn't have a ton of things hooked up to me uh, with a natural birth at home, there may be more 
numbers and objective information in a hospital birth. But they, I was able to get that record and then give it to my next birth team so they could see what that first birth looked like. And then they could take into consideration you know, what happened with my first for my second. So that would be something if you haven't done it already is like getting the records from your first birth and giving that to your team so they can see if there's anything that they want to be on the lookout for, whether that was, you know, tearing or something like that. It's actually great advice. And part of the email of the the beautiful email that was a reply to me actually offered that already. Great. She was like, whatever you need, if you know they need charts, whatever we could do to support you, we're here for you. And you're just like, oh my God, I pretty much just told you, you don't have my business and you still like love me. I love you, you know? Yeah. And that's the thing because these people care. It's not necessarily about business for them. And yes, of course, we, they need the money. This is their business and livelihood. They just truly care about the people, the bonds you make with them. You know, they're just so excited. They want to just keep on with your journey and they really just want what's best for you. And if you've already chosen what's best for you, then they're on board because that's what's best. So yes, thank you for that I will get my record so that the next team has kind of an idea of what at least my first birth was like. And I think that that is, it's a great, I mean, I'm just so excited. And I just, I'm hoping that this story is helping any mom out there who may be on their second or third, or even maybe fourth, if they just want a new experience, whether that's even going from a, a hospital to a home birth, or if that's even going from a home birth to a hospital, like there's just no wrong or right thought that you may have as a mom. You have such a strong gut intuition. Just go with it. That's what's going to be most nourishing to you and your baby. You get to choose. And even if you're 37 weeks and you want to make the change, you still can. It gets a little tricky, but you can do it. So at any time, mom, you just go with your gut and your team will be supportive. And if they're not supportive, then they're definitely not the right fit for you. Yeah, you made a good choice then. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. All right, love it. Okay, well, let's get on to the recap this week. Thank you so much for sharing that. So we interviewed Dr. Samantha Brody. I loved her book, Overcoming Overwhelm, because who isn't feeling a little bit overwhelmed in today's world? If you are a mom, if you're a mama-to-be, if you are working, if you have access to social media and the internet, I mean, there are a million things that can make us feel overwhelmed. So I think her tools and tips were absolutely brilliant and so needed today. And I enjoyed reading her book. And I think I'm going to read it again, just because I'm sure there are tips that I missed the first time around. But one of the things that Dr. Brody discussed was that in Western medicine, we don't often hear about, we don't talk about stress. And so if you're going to your doctor, unless you're going to a naturopathic doctor or a functional medicine doctor, or a really open-minded doctor, they're probably not going to ask how stressed out you are. But what we know is that virtually all health conditions have a stress component and stress can affect any organ, meaning that it the stress could present as a skin rash or hives. It could present as high blood pressure, cardiovascular disease, even depression and anxiety have a stress component, or it could be something that may be a little bit more obvious, like um, stomach discomfort. You know, before a speech or before a big presentation, you may have made that connection between your nerves and your gut. So this isn't to say that stress is the only cause of health conditions, but it is a cause that is often overlooked. So I wanted to bring it up. And, you know, we it's not just 
big stressors that we are experiencing in our day-to-day life, like maybe a death in the family or moving or a new baby, but it's the accumulation of stressors. Like when you're caught in traffic on the way to work or you aren't sleeping very well, or maybe it is work or food intolerance or working out too much or just exposure to everyday toxin. There's just a lot of little things that can add up. So I'm curious when you are working with clients as a naturopathic doctor, how are you addressing stress? Okay. These are, I agree. She did such a great job explaining this. And I I love how you just gave a little bit of a background about this. You know, what I loved about Dr. Brody's book and her philosophy is she does talk about how it's not necessarily the stress that is causing all of these diseases. It's the accumulation of all of these micro stresses that then lead to the overwhelm that then can lead to these chronic diseases. And so I do think that was a really interesting perspective that I never really heard or learned before. You just kind of categorize stress disease, but it's not necessarily the case because we can handle a lot of these, like what they call micro events or micro stresses, but it's just like, man, they just like accumulate and accumulate and accumulate. And all of a sudden you're like overwhelmed and burdened with now something that can really affect your health. And so what I'm looking for in my patients is I first go to the physical stresses. Those are things that we may not be able to hear from the patient, but we can see on labs. You brought up one that could be a food intolerance. And so I could do a food intolerance test, an IgG food panel to see what could be foods that they're eating on a daily basis that could be causing some physical stress on the body. I could be testing some nutrient levels or some adrenal markers or thyroid hormones. I mean, there's a lot of different physical markers that as naturopathic doctors we look at, and we can see however many things there are out of balance, you can see our stresses on the body to try to compensate, to work on finding the balance. And so obviously we're very mindful of looking at how can we get all these markers on lab testings to be as close to normal so that there's not uh, that many stressors on the body. And then the next thing is, of course, we're always listening to people's stories. One of the advantages we have as naturopathic doctors is clearly the amount of time we spend with patients. You know, I think one of the biggest drawbacks of standard standard healthcare is the average visit for a primary care doctor is five minutes. That is an incredibly short amount of time. I mean, Stephanie, we can't even do our nourish yourself segment in five <laughs> minutes, right? Like we can't even tell a story, know. you know? And yeah. so to really hear people and to and like really listen, because oftentimes some people don't even recognize that there's a stress until they start talking about it. And I think as naturopathic doctors, we're trained to listen in a way that we're constantly looking for causes of suffering, right? That's what we're there. We're there to help people feel better. And so people can tell us a story and we are like these detectives to really listen between the lines and ask certain questions so that we can understand what some of these triggers are. And that may be relationship questions. That could be, you know, day-to-day scheduling questions, or that can also just be symptomatic questions like, you know, tell us more about the stomach ache or, you know, oh, what kind of bowel movements do you have? And they don't realize that not going poop every three days is normal or, or not normal, right? So, you know, we're just looking for all of that stuff and listening. And so these are different ways that we can uncover different stresses. And I think because naturopathic doctors were so inclined to help 
patients' bodies naturally adapt to life and life stressors, we're looking for optimal health no matter what. So it's not that we're only focusing on a patient's chief concerns. We're looking at it from a holistic perspective because we know that their stomach pain is always going to be connected to their brain health and to their immune system and to a lot of other systems in the body. So we're constantly looking at just all different systems in order to really help this person get to optimal health so that their resiliency increases so that they can adapt to these micro stresses so that the feeling of overwhelm isn't always there for them, right? And how do we clear out those stresses so that they can be, they can compensate better? I hope that that's clear. I mean, I can probably talk about that for an hour in and of itself. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you're right. It comes down to the amount of time that you can spend with somebody and five minutes is not enough to go over their treatment, um, let alone how they're feeling and what they're, they're stressed out about. And, and sometimes it can even take a while to identify that there is some stress that's happening. I know I ask this question too, to my clients and a lot of times, you know, I ask them to rate their, their stress on a scale of zero to 10. And that's kind of like the introduction to that topic is like, okay, where do you think you're at? And oftentimes it's much lower than what we find out when we dig a little bit deeper. Like, oh yeah, you know, I did have a breakup recently. Oh yeah, my kids did, they were sick from school for a month. So I had to take off of work for that long. And that was a big stressor. Or they start to see these stresses that they have been living with or navigating and they don't identify them as a stress just because it's something that they've had to power through or they think that that it's a normal level of stress or they may not think it's a big deal, but it is affecting how they're feeling throughout their body, physically, mentally, and emotionally. So no, I love everything that you just said there. And there's a lot that we can do to address the health consequences that can come from stress. And Ilana, one of the things I also loved about what what she was discussing was she didn't, you know, sometimes the word stress is something we just brush past mm-hmm. because we're sick of talking about stress. We're all navigating it. We're, we, I mean, there's almost inevitable stress. And she talked about this too. It's like, it's not about reducing the stress as much as it is just making sure that we have some space to handle all the stress and some tools to navigate the stress. Because even when one stress is gone, there's going to be new ones down the road. I mean, it's just life. And so I love the word overwhelm and just kind of figuring out how we can navigate this overwhelm versus stress. Yes, I completely agree. And I liked it because it was very practical. I think people will shut down when you're like, well, you're telling me not to stress out. So sorry, you know? So I know I do. I agree. The other thing you mentioned about when you ask your clients, if you can rate your stress from one to 10. So that's a definite, it's a great question. It's a question we just have automatically in our intake form. So I read that prior to the visit starting. But another thing that I mindfully added to our intake form, and this is mostly for adults, although even in a young child's life, even though they're not very old, mm-hmm. there could this could still be a good question is, what are some past traumas that, you know, dated back even from the time you were younger that right. have been big events in your life? And this could be deaths. This could be divorces. Like, what are some real big events in your life that you could just chronologically list just so I can get a little snapshot into their past? And that uncovers a lot because one of my questions could be, what was your process in grieving that? Uh, can we even evaluate if you've 
truly grieved and completed that for yourself? Or 10 years ago when you had one of your best friends commit suicide, are you still holding on to that? Because that can easily, you you know, um, it was uh, Alexandra Sturges that you interviewed, right? A few episodes ago. And I love, she said, people could be stuck in their trauma. Mm -hmm. I loved how she said Mm -hmm. that. And if you're not processing that, you're carrying it with you year after year after year. And now 20 plus years later, it's still with you. This does a lot on the body. You know, this does a lot on the mind and the soul and the body. And so, you know, as naturopathic doctors, we look into that. And so that's why I like to have that question on my intake is it gives you a lot of insight into where you can start asking some questions. Yeah, that's so important in in all aspects of health and life, but you know, particularly for our population as it applies to pregnancy and birth. I mean, talking about hard things like sexual abuse that happened mm-hmm. or maybe even rape when it comes to the labor and delivery process. Like these are really tough things and but they have an impact in how you how you kind of go through and walk through those experiences. And if, if they're not addressed prior to uh, that time, it can be really tough. Or even, you know, going into second pregnancies, if you had hyperemesis or if you had a really tough labor or if you felt like you weren't heard during labor and delivery or if you had postpartum depression, like these things really do matter that you you get them resolved with a professional. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So now a question for you, Steph. She, Dr. Brody mentioned this bucket analogy or bucket theory, and I thought this was really neat. And just to remind the listeners, it's essentially yeah. this idea that we have a lot of different kinds of stress that just get full, right? So our bucket just gets more and more and more full until it essentially overflows. And that would be then considered the overwhelm, right? So I like how she said that different kinds of stress fall into different types of categories. There's things that we can change. There's things that you cannot change. And then there are things you choose not to change, which I think is just a really interesting perspective in and of itself. Again, we can have a whole episode on that. But one of the things she did say, she brought up how nutritional considerations are something that we can change, right? We have control over and how that can really play a role in our health. And so because you're the expert and you have such great things to say about this, can you maybe elaborate a little bit on that point? Yeah, no, I thought that was great that she brought it up. I mean, yes, diet is something that we can change. It's it's also something that we can choose not to change. You know, there may be things that we identify that we could be doing a little bit better on, whether that's drinking more water or eating more vegetables or you know, reducing the amount of sugar in our diet. But we we know that, and we're choosing not to, and and that that's okay. It's just kind of understanding where we're at. But you know, outside there's. There's two things that I was thinking about when it came to this topic is, yes, you identified if there's a food intolerance that you aren't sure of, but you're still eating that food, right? Let's say you're intolerant to eggs and you're eating them every day. That is a stress on the body. So that's one component. There is also the component of blood sugar regulation. So if you're eating meals that have maybe a little bit more carbohydrate or refined carbohydrate and they're not balanced with protein and fat, maybe you're having like a big bowl of oatmeal with banana on it and no protein or fat with that. That's going to spike your blood sugar and then it's going to crash. And that is a stress on your body. Uh, But there's also a component that I wanted to talk about too, which is the fact that sometimes we are a little bit 
too neurotic when it comes to food, right? And the stress of having to have a perfect meal or the stress of, you know, avoiding something at all costs, even if you don't have a food intolerance or the stress of worrying about your calories or the stress of trying to manipulate your body in a way with food, like that can be a stress too. And I think that's something that can often be overlooked outside of the physical aspects of nutrition and, and stress. Great. I, I I couldn't agree with you more. I have nothing more to say, <laughs> Okay, <laughs> which is I, rare, but no, this is great. I, I agree. Okay. Uh, so you are the expert in communication. Oh, uh, so I wanted sweet. to ask you Thanks. this. So she mentioned, she mentioned the importance of communicating your needs and understanding your values. And you brought up the example of somebody that felt like they weren't worthy enough to engage in self-care. And I, I do hear that a lot. I was with you the day that that was brought up as well. And, you know, this could present as you don't feel worthy enough to get your nails done or you don't you don't feel worthy enough to travel like she mentioned or go out to dinner with friends or you feel like maybe they're you can't do it because you should be with your kids or you should be with your partner or you shouldn't be spending money like we have all these shoulds in our head that are just not helpful but what we can do is we can let our partner know that these are our values and figure out a way to make it work for both parties so that both parties are getting to do the things that they they enjoy and kind of taking away this need to feel like we're worthy because you are worthy. Like there is no doubt about that. And you were, you were kind of explaining this process, but I wanted to dig a little bit deeper into how we can effectively ask for what we want. And this is something that you and I both went to a training. Um, there's something called the PACS training, and we can put a link in the show notes to it. If you Google Alison Armstrong, you'll find it. But she has this practice called the Great Ask, which I love that name. And basically, the Great Ask is where you're working with your partner to find resolution to a problem that leaves both of you feeling heard and empowered. And I know you geek out over this. <laughs> so can you go over in a little bit more detail, how to go about doing a great ask. If you're feeling a little bit nervous about asking your partner or you've never really, you know, kind of spoken out for yourself to get what you need. Great. Okay. Yes. And I, again, this could be a whole nother show in and of itself. So I'll try to keep it concise because I do think this is such important information. And I see this in my practice over and over where these moms really have a, a struggle to even ask their husband for two hours on the weekend so they can go to the gym and work out while their husband's watching the child. And so then they really compromise their own need for working out, you know, and I, and I just, I see this, it's, it's really a struggle for them. And so I take them through the great ask. And so I would love to kind of share that with the listeners. So let's take this example of needing the two hours on the weekend. The first thing that I tell these moms is that when you have a conversation with your husband, there needs to be a time and a space that they're available. And it's very often, and I do this and we all do this and we make the mistake, is that your husband comes home from work, everyone's tired, and now you just like ask them something important, they say something, and then a day or two later, you're like, uh, why didn't you do it? And they're like, what do you mean? You never told me. And you're like, I absolutely told you. Don't you remember two days ago? And they're like, I literally didn't even hear what you said. And you're like, but you, you responded. And you're like, 
I'm so sorry. I totally didn't even hear what you said, right? We've all been there. And it's simply because our husbands are just not available to even hear us. And so one of the big things with the great ask is that we have to be very clear with our partners and ask them, are you available to talk? If not right now, when will you be available? I need your full attention. And we have to be okay with that answer, right? It could be in five minutes, it could be the next day, or it could be right now, but you're at least asking them to shut down whatever they're doing and fully focus on you. Because in PACS, we're taught that men truly can only focus on one thing at a time. Unlike us women who can focus on multiple things all at once, we just they just don't have that same capacity. And so if you really want them to hear you, they have to be fully attentive. And so that's the first thing to do is make sure they're attentive. The second part of this is that Most of the times we come at it being nervous or fearful or feeling like we don't deserve it. And so the first thing that can come out of your mouth is something called transparency. And it's interesting. I do this with patients. I do this with my husband. Often I do this with my friends. If I'm uncomfortable about something, I say it right away. And the freedom of saying it right away gives you so much access into all of a sudden, like having like your guard down and you're able to communicate in a much more powerful way because you're not nervous anymore. You're you're not sweating. You're not your heart isn't beating so much. You the first thing you could say is, "Hey, this is really hard for me to say. I'm nervous about it. I don't know how you're going to take it, and in all honesty, I don't even want to have this conversation and it's important to me." So, just practicing saying that much I promise you, will give you so much freedom in whatever the next thing is you have to say. And so I do recommend patients doing that. And they they always come back to me saying that it does really help them a lot. Now, then the next thing is you're going to have to say what you need. And this is something that may be challenging because in all honesty, you may not even know what you need. And this is where I help a lot of patients explore this. You can you know talk to friends about this. You can talk to a therapist about this. But oftentimes, you have an idea of what you need, but you really won't know if you need it until you do it and you feel better after it. And so that can also be part of the transparent conversation is, I know that I'm not getting something that I need and I'm actually not exactly sure what it is, but I have an idea of something that we can try and this is what I'm asking. And I'll know in about a week or two if this is gonna work or not. And if not, then I may ask you something different. Again, part of the transparency conversation. So then the next step is telling them what you need, but it's very, very important that you're specific with them, that you either give them dates or timeframes or whatever that you can to set them up to win. So for example, maybe the two hours on a weekend to work out, it's very specific that it's the Saturday from two to four o'clock, I would love to be able to work out. Now that may not work for them, that may work for you, but that's part of the discussion. You're just giving them exact details that every week, not just this one Saturday, for two hours, this is what you're going to need. But it's very important that you end it with what it does for you, like what the difference it makes for you when you get that need. And it goes something like, if I get to work out for the two hours on the weekend, I will just feel better about myself. I just feel more energized. I feel like I don't fall into a depression as quickly. Like my mind is just clearer. And that makes me feel like I'm going to be a better version of a wife for you and a better mother for our child. 
do you think this is something you could do to support me? And is there anything that you need to support me to make this workable? You know, do you need some time maybe on a Sunday so that you can have a break because you're going to take the lead on Saturday or have them come up with whatever it is? So let me go ahead and reiterate because that's a lot of different steps for the great ask. But one is, is your husband available? Make sure that that's the case. Number two, be transparent right at the front. You know, it's hard for you. It's scary. That's great. Share that with your, your partner. Number three, share what the need is. Be specific. Number four, share with them what it provides you so that they're very clear on if you get this, this is what will happen. And then the fifth step and the final step is ask your your partner for how you can support them in helping them provide you with what you need. So I actually, this is just, this all came from my head. I didn't even write down my notes. So I'm really hoping that I, I sum that up properly. I think I've memorized this because I use this so frequently. It's something that has become incredibly effective in my household. It's something that I see my patients who follow it. They do a, they, they really do get what they need. And it's not even just about them getting what they need, but their husbands are so happy to, to help them feel whatever those impacts are, right? The happiness, the less depression, the feeling better, whatever that is, they want to help you, right? They want to help us. And to get clear on what they can do, like if you're crystal clear with them with, if you just give me this, this, and this, they know exactly what to do. You've now equipped them with winning in this, right? They feel so good that they were able to accomplish what you needed. They love the clarity. They love you being very direct. And they also really love appreciation. So if it's working for you, you show them appreciation and you'll be able to do it time and time again. All right, I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> no, you summed it up so well. I mean, I I couldn't have done justice to that. So I'm glad you were able to tackle that. And I know you use it all the time. And so you would be able to just spit it out. No big deal. A couple of things I wanted to add to that. So one of the things that I heard that has stuck with me, in addition to the great ask, I absolutely love this approach, is that the premise of how you start a conversation is how you'll end the conversation. And this applies to the great ask very well, because, you know, if you are feeling triggered by something and let's say you haven't gotten your needs met for a really long time and then you just lash out at somebody like, well, just do this or let me do this or I want to do this. That conversation is probably not going to end up very productive, right? But if you set a time that works for both of you and you come at it with that vulnerability, with that, this is hard for me, and how can we make both parties really benefit from this? That is going to turn out much better and be more effective. And you mentioned that this is something that you can do with your husband, but really this is something that you can do with anybody. It could be Mm -hmm. something that you have a hard conversation with your boss about or your sister or your mom or, you know, you're setting limits in your postpartum with who is going to help and what they're going to help out with. So I absolutely love this template for a lot of things. And then the final thing I just wanted to say was that this, you know, Ilana has it memorized, but when we when we learned about it, we actually had a worksheet and we would use that worksheet and figure out how we were going to have this conversation ahead of time. And the presenter actually recommended that you bring that worksheet 
into the conversation because you're going to feel very nervous to have it. If you haven't had a conversation like this before, you're going to show up and be like, oh, you might forget the steps right away. And, you know, if somebody came up to you with a sheet of paper and they were talking to you in this manner, like you couldn't help but give them the opportunity to share and really want them to win as well. And so those are kind of just the things that I wanted to share um, with this. Great. And I love that. I'm so glad you brought that up because it's true. It This is with anyone. This is with your best friend. This is with your boss. This is with whoever. And I just want to keep on recognizing that we're talking about people who you have a relationship with. That means that there's two people that relate to one another that care about one another. And so if we could really realize that our friends or our partner, our spouses, they're our teammate, right? They want you to be happy and they want you to to practice your communication and to, they don't want to see you struggling through this. They don't want you to be nervous to ask them something. They really want to provide a space for you to, to share. And so it does get easier and easier over time, especially when you practice it. And I know it made it really, at first it kind of felt like really scripted or is like, that's weird. Like I need all these steps. And I remember when I practiced, I would, I would skip a step. I'm like, oh, I don't need that step. But then my outcome actually wasn't anywhere as powerful. Right. So I do believe in these steps. I think it was a brilliant lesson that Alison Armstrong came up with to teach us. And so we're really hoping that, you know, you guys can really feel empowered to do this moving forward within in any regard and that to know you are absolutely worthy of everything that you need. Nothing is too big or small. Nothing is ridiculous. There is no such thing as asking for something that is just too great because if it truly benefits you, it's going to benefit everyone around you and it's always a win-win. If you can see how it's going to benefit them after you get it and they're clear about that, they're always going to be a yes. And if they can't be an exact yes to exactly what you need, you continue the conversation to figure out, well, if this doesn't work for you, then what could? And then you guys, you're a teammate, right? So you guys are a team. So you keep on going back and forth to figure out, well, what can we do that may be close to this? And then try it on. And if it works, great. If it doesn't work, then you have the conversation again. And you guys keep on trying on what possibilities may work so that both of you guys can win in the end. All right. I love all of that. You, I can tell just like your passion for it because you know that it works and you've done it so many times where you've seen it pan out for you. And it's just a really beautiful tool to have in your arsenal. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. Let us know what you think. We'd love to hear if you do start adding it um, into your conversations and how that works for you. So we're getting close to an hour here. So before we end, I just kind of want to hear if you had any takeaways from the interview that we haven't gone over or anything that you wanted to highlight? You know, there there are so many other points, but because of time, I do want to end because again, I could talk about this so much, but I think Steph, we should make a note at some point, maybe we could do a show on, on values. You know, she, she spoke a lot about values and I think it may be really worth our time to talk a little bit about how we are driven by values in our lives and how that helps us make choices that, that really ultimately help us design the life that we we love and we're passionate about. So, 
let's try to make a note because I love how she touched on this. And I kind of shared a little bit about my values just as a mom. So um, I'm hoping maybe in the next few episodes, we can um, do something like that or share that with you just so we can wrap up. But I think for now, we already gave, we gave you so much great information and we really hope that you really enjoyed that episode. So if that's okay with you, Steph, you want to go ahead and wrap up? You feel good? Or is there anything else you wanted to share? I mean, we could totally do a two-hour recap on this one. So I will close it out. And I think that we can definitely do an episode about values. Just let us know. Send us a message on Instagram or send us an email. um, And let us know if you're interested in that kind of interview. Because we like to bring you some more evidence-based episodes and bring you experts. But we also like to keep it real and kind of share what's going on with us and how we approach day-to-day life. So if you're interested in more of that kind of interview um, or podcast episode, let us know. And we're happy to do more of the Ilana and Steph type of shows. So (laughs) we'll wrap it up then. Awesome. Well, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. We want to just thank our partner today again, Rethink Water. If you try Rethink Water, make sure to tag at Whole Mamas Club and at Rethink Water on Instagram to show us how you're using them with your littles and what you think. And don't forget to use Whole Mamas 20 at checkout to get 20% off your order. Or if you have the patience to order with them online and you can wait for your delivery, you can get that 20% off. Otherwise, you can grab a box or two at the next time you're at Target or Walmart, and that's always convenient. Now, if you've enjoyed this episode, please help us out by sharing our podcast with your mom of friends and write a review on iTunes. Let us know what you enjoyed about this episode and help us grow our village. You can also visit our website at homemomasclub.com forward slash podcast to review show notes, find past episodes, and leave comments and questions for future shows. Please remember that the views on this podcast are not meant to be substituted for medical advice, shouldn't be used to diagnose, treat, or cure any conditions, and are intended for general information purposes only. Now go on, have a good day, and nourish and nurture yourself and your family. 